Dr. Nimrod Mbili is an academic, a successful businessman who has a talent to simplify business and make it relevant beyond the boardroom. Catch Dr. Nimrod Mbili live and beyond governance Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Good evening to everybody and welcome to tonight's edition of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. As always, I'm delighted to be in your company as we continue to probe and ask difficult questions about our alien economy uh, and let alone the shaky political landscape. Before we get to tonight's issues, let me uh, thank Howard, uh, Shasha Star, Hilton, and, and of course, Mandy. Uh, and uh, Vusi, I'm told, is not in, is not feeling well today. So Tabo is going to be assisting uh, in terms of navigating the ship. Uh, Tabo, welcome. And, and uh, it is, we haven't really had this in a while. Yeah, it's been quite some time, and I think since early days of the My show. My goodness, I remember then I was I was literally thrown in a deep end. <laughs> but you did manage to swim. Well, thanks to you, my brother, and welcome once again. Thank you. All right, uh, and uh, having said that, uh, tonight we, we have going to have a very interesting conversation with David Lewis, who is the Executive Director at Corruption Watch, and Jonathan Seren, who is a Chartered Accountant and a Senior Lecturer at UJ. Uh, As always, uh, I welcome your thoughts. Uh, this is your show. It's not my show. I'm simply a conjoint. Um, drop us your SMS at 4515195, um, and we'll certainly engage with you. Um, you know, it's amazing how, how, how time flies. When I was on the way on the road um, to the studio, I had a lot of thoughts around uh, the, the kind of issues, uh, particularly in the context of SEDEC, because uh, it would have been criminal for, for me or anybody else not to, not to reflect slightly on the issues that are happening in our neighboring countries, Zimbabwe. And, and, and um, you know, obviously, the, I'm not sure whether the, uh, you know, the, the whole issue of resignation of Uncle Bob has been confirmed. Uh, assuming that he indeed has resigned, and this is probably the most uh, pleasant news for, for not only Zimbabweans, who, who are, are literally suffering. We've seen them in our country. Uh, and, and, of course, South Africans are also um, um, celebrating, I would imagine, because um, democracy has finally, finally dawned and 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 the, the the everybody's excited. I'm 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 quite thrilled. On behalf of the Zimbabweans, uh, it's going to be a long road to recovery because um, the economy, which was once hailed as Switzerland of Africa, has literally collapsed uh, due to to uh, uh, legitimate crisis uh, under the leadership of Robert Mugabe. For all it is worth, um, I, I'm hopeful that uh, the reconciliation. Uh, platform or reconciliation uh, activities will commence in Zimbabwe. Uh, everybody will become sober and address issues for what they are. There, there will be uh, sober minds that meet and address the, 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 the total collapse of the economy uh, to a point where Zimbabwe is back where it is. Uh, and, and this for me it's a celebration of, of ethical leadership that has been demonstrated by, by, by all in, in Sandra. Everybody knows uh, that called in and, and supported Zimbabweans and took to the street uh, and said, look, enough is enough, because ultimately uh, Uncle Bob's uh, uh, rule suffered severe legitimacy uh, crisis uh, because at the, uh, ultimately when you cannot account to your citizen, if you cannot account to your political party, if you cannot account to anybody, um, you lose that legitimacy. Once you lose that legitimacy, you have no moral reason or no moral 
basis uh, to 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 uh, to rule. But having said that, uh, let me move very quickly and engage uh, 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 David um, Lewis, who is the executive director at Corruption Watch. Uh, d- I believe David is already on air. David, good evening and welcome, Beyond Governors. Hi, hi. Thank you for inviting us. The pleasure is mine. Once again, let me just firstly congratulate you, David, for being appointed as one of the panel advisors for Houghton Government. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great opportunity. I'm, I'm very pleased to, to be on that committee. It's fantastic because, I mean, definitely we do need uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of David Lewis in this world for they have demonstrated the, the determination of, re, of, of holding a bull by its horns and making sure that uh, corporate governance prevail across. Thank you. Talking of corporate governance, David, um, the issues around estate capture continue to linger on. What is mm. an insight for, uh, for, for Corruption Watch? What is it that we need to look for uh, ultimately? And, and those that are implicated, what does it mean in terms of final accountability? Well, I, I think we need to look for a lot of things. You know, at the moment, you know, Parliament is, is you know, acting in a way that I think should uh, encourage us all because Parliament hasn't always exercised that good insight. The courts or oversight, the courts are doing what uh, they need to do or they have decided to do to support the process. What we need is for the Hawks and the NPA to act because, you know, we're not into the realm here of poor corporate governance. We're into the realm of pure out-and-out criminality, and I'm afraid that uh, there's only one sort of punishment for that kind of conduct, and it would be uh, a pity if it didn't get carried out, because you really need to raise the risk of ever engaging in this conduct again. Absolutely. But but do you think there's that political will? Uh, because we, we, we're made to believe that the Hawks and NPA are independent uh, institution of government that, that, that are able to act without fear or favor. Yeah. Is there confidence uh, from what you said in that um, this act of criminality, as I've currently pointed out, will no, be... There isn't, there isn't confidence. I mean, in this NPA and this Hawks, with this leadership, there isn't confidence. But I think, you know, as civil society, as citizens, as parliament, as the media, we need to make sure that uh, this is what we get. Because, you know, the fact that those organizations, and they were the first organization to be captured, that was the first state capture. And it held everybody else at ESCOM and Transnet in the presidency and the Ministry of Mineral Resources. It's held all of those people in good stead to know that nobody was going to come after them criminally because there wasn't an organization and there isn't an organization who acted without fear and favor. But the terms of the game have changed, you know, since in the last, in the last year or so. And I think we've got to, you know, we're running a campaign now to make sure that the process of appointing the next head of the Hawks and the next commissioner of police is, an in, is a transparent process. So at least the public know what they're getting. At least the public can participate in the process. And this is what we've got to be doing, because without a decent criminal justice system, we can't get the kind of accountability that we want. And I'm not saying that's all you need. We need all the other things, but we've got those. We've got active civil society. We've got good courts. We've got a good constitution. We've got good media, but we don't have a decent criminal justice system. And it's a missing 
part of the puzzle, actually. Uh, no, no, thanks for, thanks for that. But what about the political will, David? Because, um, and one of the critical issues, um, as to the lull from, from, at least from where I'm sitting, the lull or the inability for Hawks and NPA to act has, has been in, in their own, in, in their own structure, they've been captured. There hasn't, there's no political well, will. Exactly. I mean, I think that that's right. And that's why, you know, this is not just a question of, you know, getting right an institution. This is, about politics. And until there is a change in the current political leadership, and I'm not saying this, you know, about the ANC or the EFF or whatever, I'm saying about the people who the dominant clique that runs the ANC at the moment does not have the political will to do that because many of them would be on the receiving end of an independent criminal justice system. And that's the conundrum. So, it is partly a, a, a political question, but I don't think it's a party political question. I think people in all political parties should be as interested in getting that done as, as, their, as their otherwise opponents are. This is, this is something that the nation needs. This is not a party political issue. And so, yes, I think for the political will, which, as you indicate, is very important to exist then uh, it's like the political world not to interfere politically. That's the political world that's needed. And in order for that to exist, there has to be some changes at the political level. You can't have somebody facing, what is it, 678 or 723 charges of corruption being solely in charge of, the, of, of appointing the head of the, the anti-corruption police unit. You can't. It's never you never get to do it. But you have to exercise pressure. Absolutely, and I'm quite grateful that uh, uh, in civil society organizations are indeed for the for for the benefit of the the constitution, for the benefit of everybody, uh, up in arms, putting pressure, uh, and obviously uh, maintaining the fact that one is presumed innocent until given, proven guilty. But be that as it may, uh, all the issues needs to play out uh, in in courts of law, and 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 the process will have to be followed uh, to the letter. Yeah, I'm sure they have to be followed to the letter, but I wouldn't get too excited about the innocence until proved guilty. You know, you can be unfit to hold high public office, even if you're not guilty of a crime. You can just behave unethically. Mm-hmm. And we've got to know, so I think certain of them have behaved criminally. Some of them have behaved unethically. Some go to jail. Others might God not go to jail, but none of them are fit for high public office. And it's about you know, what the renewal is that we've got to have is both uh, uh, the renewal of our criminal justice institutions, but we've also got to think about what our ethical standards are, you know. And, uh, and people need to pass those standards as well as the standards of the criminal justice system. Thank you very much. You're unfortunately going to have to leave it there, David. And once again, thank, thank you. you for Thanks your time. Much. much appreciated. There you go. That was David Lewis, who is the executive director at Corruption Watch, giving us his uh, uh, well thought through uh, uh, ideas or issues around the the, the impending conundrum. Uh, what I think I appreciate more about his his um, value system vis-a-vis what is currently happening is the fact that Parliament is beginning to act. Uh, uh, constitutionally is beginning to act in a manner that is supposed to act. And then likewise, civil society organizations such as media uh, uh, is, is quite aggressive in raising these quite issues uh, uh, which, which are clearly, uh, uh, in his view, are, are 
criminal and worthy of being prosecuted. And 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 one thing, one of the things that that perhaps maybe um, you might just obviously get 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 your views around. Is, is is how he puts it. Uh, he says, in some instances, uh, other people are not worthy of holding public office. And the fact that you're not worthy of, of holding a public office doesn't necessarily mean that you, you, you are criminal. It's simply that you're not worthy of holding a public office because you could have been corrupt or you could have you could behave unethically. What are your thoughts? Uh, give me a, drop me an SMS at uh, 345115. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's continue to engage uh, on, the, on this very uh, topical issue. We're going to take a break and, and let us come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back to Beyond Governance. It's now 24 minutes after, after 6. Um, that was a final countdown for Uncle Bob, uh, for goodness sake. I mean, after three decades at the helm, and there's nothing positive to show uh, other than just utmost poverty, displacement of multitude of Zimbabweans. Every single corner in Johannesburg, you find Zimbabweans begging. They've been dehumanized uh, to a a larger extent purely because um, uh, Uncle Bob was nothing but selfish. But moving forward, I hope uh, the new leadership, uh, they will craft the the roadmap that will ensure that Zimbabwe becomes the, 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 the... the light that used to be, we all used to be envious of Zimbabweans at some point, particularly from an educational uh, point of view. Um, when, when, when he started in the early 80s, uh, uh, he invested substantially in education, but unfortunately most of the Zimbabweans had to leave Zimbabwe and work elsewhere. And, and the brain drain has cost the country so much because of uh, you know, because of there wasn't sufficient political will uh, and, and and respect for human rights. That's where we are. But anyway, uh, let's gonna move forward and and engage um, Jonathan Sterling, who is the senior lecturer and a chartered accountant at University of Johannesburg, and we'll be talking about integrated reporting. This uh, big thing, you know, that is ring around um, almost every single corporation in this country. Uh, wants to see themselves uh, mentioned in in one of those 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 uh, platforms. Uh, Jonathan, good evening and welcome to Beyond Governance. Sir. Hi, hi, good evening, Nimrod. Thank you so much, uh, and thanks for the opportunity to be on the show. The pleasure is mine, uh, Jonathan. Uh, w- w- one of the issues that that I've raised with you a while ago is this um, euphoria around integrated reporting, which means there's something that that uh, corporates are doing differently uh, from the past. For for someone who's listening to the show now who has no clue about what integrated reporting is, how would you put it? Yeah, so um, basically uh, an integrated report is is a report that a company will, will publish which goes beyond the, the financial statements and, and the results. So, I mean, um, you could call it a more uh, qualitative document in many ways, a, a document that's trying to depict the business more through the eyes of management, um, speaking about the impact of of various capital. So so um, we have an integrated reporting framework, um, which we can maybe speak about in a minute, but that kind of gets you into um, uh, reporting how a business is impacted and impacts its um, things like human capital, natural capital, intellectual capital, social capital, and, and a couple of others. Yeah. So, so really um, trying to, to, Tell the the story of of the business, um, how it utilizes resources, how it consumes resources, and and just generally more its impact on on um, 
um, uh, yeah, a broader a broader spectrum of uh, what we could also you know t- talk about triple bottom line and, and those types of concepts. No, great stuff, Jonathan, for that uh, uh, narrative that gives us a more of a broad uh, conceptual framework around what uh, integrated reporting is all about. But from a comparative point of view, um, where is South Africa in this in this uh, global phenomenon? And, and do we have any benchmark? Is there any country that we look upon as an ideal model where in integrated reporting has been adopted and is implemented uh, fully? Yeah, I think... Um I would say South Africa is very much at the forefront of, of this globally. Um, uh, I suppose partly driven by uh, our, our King Code of Governance in, in many ways, which which um, always puts South Africa on the map from a, a more governance-type reporting point of view. Um, of course, it is uh, part of that uh, JSE listing requirements, and our listed companies all have to prepare integrated reports so, so there, there are certainly regulations in place that that is promoting or driving this. Um, yeah, so I think you know if you talk about the the, the value of of an integrated report, um, surely it is from the user's point of view that um, you know they, as we mentioned just now, can see the, the eyes more uh, or the business through through the eyes of management. But I think even even deeper, the, the value probably lies in um, the process. Uh, from from the process point of view, for the, the companies itself, I think those companies that are embracing integrated reporting, um, you know, really have to go through a, a, a soul searching kind of process to understand their own business and and how things like risk and strategies and business model and all these types of things um, coexist with one another. So I really think you know it, it, it promotes a type of integrated thinking within the organisation. Um, so so the value is certainly beyond just the report that comes out of the, the process at the end of the day. And, and really, um, I, th- I think there's value in, in the business itself um, for going through that process. Yeah. Thanks for that insight, uh, Jonathan. Would you agree with me to uh, when I say integrated reporting is fundamentally about sustainability? Because you can't talk about sustainability unless there's integrated thinking uh, from management point of view in terms of how the strategy of a corporation reflect in terms of all those pillars that you've mentioned of, from your social pillar, intellectual pillar, human resource pillar, manufacturing pillar, that, that you know, if finally, if, if we get to think uh, uh, along those way, more likely to create a sustainable organization. Would I be correct to interpret you in that fashion? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think that's, uh, that's certainly at the heart of, of of what um, integrated reporting is, is there to achieve and, and what it's all about, yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Uh, I've noted that uh, recently the, the, the PwC as well as the CCSA uh, uh, ran a competition around integrated reporting. Um, for, for the benefits of listeners who have no clue about uh, you know these kinds of, 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 of elevating uh, platforms, uh, can you quickly reflect on the process of integrated reporting and which companies in your view won and, and what does it mean for, for the winners and what does it also mean for the losers? Um, yeah, I, I think I can comment certainly more on the, the um, CSSA, which is the Chartered Secretary's um, event that they host. Um, and maybe if I can comment more on that one, I'm not sure, um, sure, as, sure. as clued up on the PwC one. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think what that uh, distinguishes this, the, the CSSA awards, um, they're, they're the longest-running awards in South Africa. So I think from about the mid-50s, they've been hosting a, a competition, essentially, 
where um, companies can submit submit their integrated reports. Of, of course, when when the competition started back in the 50s, there wasn't such things as integrated reporting, so it was in those days more financial statement kind of focused, and, and over the decades it's evolved um, as, as business and as regulation and, and processes evolve and develop. So, so currently it's the Integrated Reporting Awards. Um, yeah, and that's been running for 60-something 60, 60 years since the mid-50s. Um, I think what, also what, what's quite unique about their awards is that it's it goes beyond merely just listed companies. So there's categories um, for state-owned companies. There's um, categories for unlisted companies, NGOs, NPOs. So, um, so really opening up the the spectrum for recognizing excellence in integrated integrated reporting. Um, yeah, for, for for pretty much um, any and all companies. No, no, great stuff. Uh, but but the last point, do you think there's a greater appetite uh, for non-listing companies and NGOs and so on and so forth in terms of appreciating the value of integrated reporting? Because this is not something that needs to sit uh, uh, only with, with, with listed companies. As you've currently pointed out, they've sort of cast the net wider to, to, to bring in other sectors of the economy. From where you're sitting, is there a great appetite uh, for more and more companies um, to, to come in and, 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 and uh, leverage on, on integrated uh, reporting thinking? Yeah, so I think surely events um, such as, as the PwC or, or CSA events, I think certainly are aiming at raising the profile of integrated reporting and, and integrated reporting standards generally in the country. So, so I think it's, it's great initiatives like this that 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 in many senses probably motivate um, your, let's say, non-listed to who otherwise wouldn't necessarily have to pr- produce an integrated report. Um, yeah, so, so I think, um, you know, o- opening up um, opportunities for, for, for things uh, or for these companies to be, to be recognized on, on, a, on a more national stage. Um, yeah, and, and I think, as we said earlier, um, you know, surely the, the value... Um, for the for the shareholders, for the stakeholders, um, surely goes beyond merely just the, the report that comes out um, through the process. I think there are probably there are some examples of companies who um, pay a you know could pay a, a a company to to produce the integrated report, to outsource the function, and pay a couple of hundred thousand rand to do it on their behalf. But I think really the value for the organisation really itself. Um, is, is, is in sitting down and really going through that process and thinking hard about their own risk, their, their own strategy, their own business model, and and uh, whether you listed or unlisted, I think um, the, the value that potentially can come out of that process is is really at the heart of, of what integrated thinking is all about. Fantastic, man. Thank you very much, David. I'm fortunate we want to leave it there. Once again, uh, we appreciate you coming through and giving us your, your, your insight around this this very complex and yet interesting topic. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Namrat. Thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, that that was David. Um, that, sorry, that was Jonathan Selling, who is the accountant and the senior lecturer at uh, uh, University of Johannesburg, giving us the view around integrated reporting. Uh, one thing that I picked up from his conversation um, uh, is, is now the the the, the, the a drive uh, to have as many uh, companies thinking strategically 
around uh, uh, the, the, around integrated reporting. Um, one thing that we've also picked up is the fact that in most instances, companies, when they produce the annual reports and an integrated report, these are functions that are outsourced. And, and the general view, and I'll hold it particularly personally, that the, 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 the company deprives itself the, the, the intellectual capability in terms of deciphering and understanding uh, the thinking that is, that, that is integrated. Uh, for an example, when you look at the, the six pillars around, around integrated uh, framework, um, there's, 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 there's IP, uh, intellectual property, there is manufacturing, there is, there is social uh, 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 the, these capitals, so to speak, are quite important because as leadership of a company, you need to say, what does this mean for me? There are instances where intellectual, capa- um, intellectual uh, capital, for example, is not properly leveraged. Um, there are instances where social capital is not properly leveraged. There are instances where manufacturing Component. Uh, you have a company that is in manufacturing, uh, but but when you look at how they report, they do not uh, appreciate the entire value chain of manufacturing. Sometimes it may not necessarily be uh, manufacturing anything, but but part of your reporting, you have to look at your 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 your, your downstream beneficiation in terms of how uh, where you source your material and and how does how you how your material has been sourced and the extent to which uh, uh, your sourcing of material is reflective. Of, of, of an organization that is entrepreneurial, is reflective organization that is systemic in thinking and is a reflective organization that appreciate value in terms of, 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 of integrated thinking. So these are kind of issues that are, are quite pertinent and, and, and profound, um, provided there is that uh, leadership thinking. Uh, as Jonathan correctly pointed out, South Africa is, is at the uh, forefront in terms of integrated thinking, uh, and thanks to to, to King Four reports, and uh, these are these are quite a phenomenal achievement uh, from where the country sits. In a sense that we we have become a trailblazer uh, and mo- because we've seen more and more other companies, other countries uh, following in our footsteps. We're going to take a break and come back in a second uh, to, to have more and more engagement around integrated reporting and say, what does it really mean uh, for, for, for other sectors of the economy other than companies that are listed? So- this is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 18 to 7. It's amazing how time flies. Uh, we've just had an interesting conversation with Jonathan uh, uh, Sterling, who is the senior lecturer and uh, an accountant, chartered accountant at the University of, of Johannesburg. Uh, we were talking about integrated reporting. I just want to maybe take a minute or two just to uh, um, you know, uh, share my thoughts processes around integrated reporting and why integrated reporting is so important and what does it mean for a company that is about to embark on the journey of integrated reporting, which, by the way, has to be preceded by integrated thinking. The assumption is that a leadership, particularly at the board level, because both are fundamentally responsible for, for, for strategy development and how the strategy is cascaded down uh, via the executive. One of the critical issues around integrated reporting, or at least a consideration uh, uh, which need to be looked into for 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 a company to be perceived to, to be 
to, to be apply integrated thinking uh, or, or integrated reporting for that matter. It is an issue around organizational overview and external environment. In that particular view, we're talking how the company explain the key markets, products and, traded, and, and the territories that it operates under. Okay. It's very important that those those variables are clearly outlined. There's also uh, a need for companies to, to report external and internal drivers uh, in terms of how they provide the context and linkages with the strategic choices they make. Uh, one of the critical issues that company needs to also reflect on um, as part of integrated thinking, um, it is the issue of strategy and resource allocation. We all understand that everything starts with with a strategy. Uh, without strat- with, with strategy, then we, we ask a question: What are the resource implication uh, for for this particular strategy to be successful? Because you can't you can't have a strategy that that is that is that is like a blue in the sky. Uh, every aspect of your strategy needs to or have at least financial implication at some point economy uh, technological implication and 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 all the resources that you needed uh, to make sure that your strategy uh, is successful uh, uh, from that point of view the question is has the company reported on its strategic objectives uh, which include short term medium term and long term objectives so so it's very important that a company that think strategically and and coherently reflect on the short term medium term and long term strategic objective the other question is is has the company discussed how it will achieve these kinds of long term objectives if you are able to respond to these questions you're more likely to see uh, a thorough understanding or appreciation of the thinking behind the reporting one of one of the other uh, issue that 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 is worthy of mentioning under strategy and resource allocation has to do with 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 uh, key performance indicators what are the, the what are these key performance indicators are they quantifiable over short term medium term and long term because in some instances uh, we have key performance indicators that are not are not quantifiable. So it's very important that part of your your, your deliberations look at the, the the importance of quantifying your KPIs as it as it were. And 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 the other critical important that reflect um, the extent to which a company embraces integrated thinking has got to do with the performance. And here we ask a, a fundamental question, which is, has the company reported on the results of the specific action it said it would take okay, uh, in, 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 a, in a specific financial period? And, and, and what are the priorities or, and objectives um, are needed to, to make sure that this, the, the, the company uh, um, achieve those? The other question that we ask is: Does the does the company uh, discuss uh, the the effects of each of the capitals? Remember, earlier on, I made reference to intellectual property as a capital. I made mention of manufacturing as a capital. I made mention of social uh, uh, and, and human resource as a capital. So all these these, these capitals, there, there has to be a way in which part of your reporting is reflective on how a company has responded to to, to those to those specific capital. Because in that way, you are forced to 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 to, to integrate everything that you do within a company. And and one of the critical issues um, that we also need to be aware of, aware of has to do with with 
the stakeholder groupings uh, because a company's operations will affect different stakeholders uh, differently. You know, um, um, your employees will be affected differently. Your communities will be affected differently. Your clients will be affected differently. Your your sponsors will be affected differently. So part of integration, when you do your, your process map or your stakeholder mapping, I beg your pardon, you, you're more likely to see how each of these capital are likely to affect the company. Uh, by virtue of doing that, you, you, you begin to see the extent to which you are able to, to, to report in an integrated fashion. The other important uh, issue that is reflective of a company that appreciates integrated thimpong has to do with risk and opportunities. Uh, and risk opportunities, we all know that in, in any company, the, the biggest headache for all executives is risk mitigation. How do you, how do you mitigate the risk? Uh, uh, part of integrated thinking uh, pose a question around the extent to which a company explain the principal uh, uh, risk and opportunities. And, and not just only outlining them, but providing a mitigating strategy against each and every risk and, and saying how do we mitigate that particular risk because when you are able to do like that you're more likely to 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 uh, 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 give the impression at least that your 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 deliberation in terms of the thinking but also execution points to integrated thinking again one of the critical issue that uh, from a risk and opportunity point of view that it's quite important that company needs to reflect on from time to time has to do with 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 uh, and how how the information around each of these capital is going to be communicated. Uh, the other critical point that uh, a company needs to reflect on, which is very important from integrated uh, point of view, has to do with the business model. Every company has a different business model, uh, but you know how you how you present. Uh, or illustrate your business model gives the reader or gives uh, the next person an opportunity to understand uh, uh, globally exactly how different parts and parcels of your company fit together. So it's, it's quite important that that those that are are responsible for driving integrated reporting are reflective. Of, of the business, or at least understand the business model, because it's out of the business model that that you, are, you understand exactly how how your business model reflect or understand or, t- or takes on board uh, the, the the all six this six capital as as I pointed out earlier. The, the 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 last point that I want to share with you as to uh, the, the importance of integrated thinking from a governance point of view. Uh, uh, earlier on, I, I indicated that the boards are ultimately responsible about uh, for, for what happens uh, within the institution. Yes, they will delegate up ultimately uh, when, when, when something small or when something soft and, and, and smelly hit the fan, so to speak, uh, the board have to assume uh, accountability. Uh, board cannot abdicate responsibility on the basis. Oh well, uh, this is what um, the management have done. Uh, it's something that you've just picked up uh, uh, for those that have been following ESCOM um, saga. Uh, as, uh, in some instances, some ridiculous amount, close to about uh, about you know seven hundred and fifty million or so that has been delegated to to, to to management. You know how do you delegate so much money to management? And and when the questions are asked, like you know we were like sitting dusk, we were like like sitting ducks 
I'm like, my goodness, uh, your risk appetite is appalling, especially in in an environment where there's there's been incidents of of maladministration and so on and so forth. So so part of the integrated thinking elevates the importance of boards um, around delegations uh, of of, of authority and and not only just delegation, but also materiality, because you delegate on a basis of materiality, uh, uh, because that also informs the organizational appetite. Uh, If you have an appetite, uh, you are are able to look at how these issues uh, can be handled. Uh, and 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 again, part of the the on, on the side of governance side, you are able to look at all the key all the key uh, performance in, in indicators that gives uh, confidence around how how these things have been done. Uh, so so these are these are uh, high level activities that um, anyone who is interested in in integrated reporting need to think about and and of course engage the relevant uh, bodies such as the, uh, the, 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 the Southern African Chartered uh, Secretariat uh, to say look how do we go about uh, getting you know integrated reporting and what, is, what are the values around integrated reporting so this is where we are uh, and, and I'm quite happy that South Africa is a country has become a a blueprint, if not a trailblazer, around how integrated reporting uh, needs to be taken into account. And and I'm also happy to hear that um, there, there is now an effort, or an attempt at least, to, to, to throw the net wider beyond listed companies. Because ultimately, if you're an investor uh, with conscience, one of the questions that you need to be asking yourself is, if I'm going to invest in that particular company, what is the extent to which this company uh, 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 understand integrated thinking? Even before reporting integrated uh, thinking, because when you, when you, when you take out the, the annual reports or integrated report, that should give you a very good sign or a very good sense as to how this company is performing. And I think that there's some benchmark. That, that is a benchmark that we all need to be looking at and, 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 and paying attention to because that gives you a, a composite picture around what needs to happen as opposed to uh, instances where integrated reporting are outsourced. There's nothing wrong in outsourcing an item uh, unless uh, you know the, the team that, that does the, the, the outsourcing fully appreciate and understand the implications of, of, of what has been outsourced. Because if you outsource a valuable uh, output, such as integrated thim- uh, thinking or reporting, you, you, you are denying a company a full appreciation of that. And by the way, this is not only a, a how can I put it? This is not only the, 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 the competence of leadership. Uh, you have to obviously bring everybody so that they all appreciate the extent to which integrated thinking has to be done or ought to be done. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there around integrated uh, reporting. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. We're going to take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. It's amazing how time flies. It's almost uh, 
four minutes to seven o'clock before we sign off. I just want to quickly reflect on the conversation we had here tonight. Initially, we have had uh, uh, um, a conversation with, with, with David Lewis, who is the executive director at uh, 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 Corruption Watch. He was giving us insight around the, the, the impending investigations uh, on the, the state capture. And, 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 and what, what I took out uh, most importantly is the extent to which the, the civil society is applying pressure and, and uh, even parliament is, is becoming more and more uh, a force to be reckoned with. And later on, we had a conversations with David uh, Sterling, who is the, 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 the chartered accountant and a senior lecturer at, at the University of Johannesburg. And in that particular conversation, uh, we, we, we sunk our teeth around integrated reporting. And, and this is where we are. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, and we're going to, uh, until I see you next week. Uh, but I'm not going to leave you, uh, uh stranded. Uh, let's have a, an, an item. Until we meet again, good evening. Yeah.